Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister updates the Premiers on what's being done to end the blockades. And we are all uh, Premiers and Prime Minister united in the fact that we need to resolve this quickly and peacefully. The RCMP offers to move its temporary detachment off Wet'suwet'en territory. It's an acknowledgement that, you know, circumstances have changed there. The injunction had been previously enforced. Uh, the presence of the RCMP was primarily to maintain uh, security at the site and, and, and now it's, it's believed through discussion that that can be safely maintained by redeploying those officers to a nearby town instead of where they had previously been um, on site on, on, on the roadway itself. And Conservative MP Michelle Rempel-Garner throws her support behind a website that frames Western isolation as a Canadian crisis. It also talks about how Alberta has a separate culture and it should be recognized and uh, calls for changes CPP, equalization, and says that Canada functionally treats Alberta as a colony rather than an equal partner. It's Friday, February 21st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. So late yesterday, the Prime Minister chatted with provincial premiers and talked about the need for a peaceful solution to the protests. The premiers told the Prime Minister that their patience is wearing thin. Uh, what do you think was accomplished in that in that call? Well, I think the Prime Minister is trying to um, calm some of the premiers that have spoken out against him, namely Premier Mo and Premier Legault, who've been quite forceful Um in suggesting that uh, the federal government should do more to end the blockades. Uh, Premier Legault has spoken about the concerns that he has in his province about uh, rail cars not moving in terms of food supply, um, healthcare products. Um, so we saw a prime minister who wants to at least be seen to be more communicative. Uh, Justin Trudeau got a lot of praise for the way he communicated during uh, the crisis with regards to Iran and the missile uh, downing a plane, uh, killing 57 Canadians, and of course, uh, the government's handling of the coronavirus uh, situation in China with the evacuations there. And so far, the criticism against the Prime Minister and the Liberal government have been that they have basically, they appear to be um, sitting on their hands and waiting for the phone to ring as opposed to doing anything about it. So the government is trying to show that it is actually doing something. Um, part of the problem, though, is that uh, some of the people that you would think want to meet with the government have no interest in meeting uh, with the government. So specifically, like the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs, Carolyn Bennett, the Minister of Crown and Indigenous Relations, has been uh, waiting, <laughs> waiting to meet with the hereditary chiefs. And they have yet to accept um, her offer and her colleagues offer in British Columbia. The Prime Minister has written a letter to the hereditary chiefs, but uh, so far the what we believe is the crux of the matter with regards to the Belleville blockade um, has yet to be addressed. What about the RCMP offering to move its detachment out of Wet'suwet'en territory? Do you think that will make a difference? Well, Bill Blair on Thursday, uh, the public safety minister, um, said that he hoped, um, he was cautiously optimistic that it would make a difference. Now, this is the 
BC RCMP, so it's a provincial police force in British Columbia. Um, and the government has gone to great lengths to say that, you know, that it does not control provincial police forces, it doesn't control federal police forces, nor should it be directing uh, police forces, but that the police came to their this conclusion on their own um, and that they have, they have basically the RCMP in BC has said that as long as the road remains clear, uh, they're ready to move to a, a nearby location, but not uh, on on the, the land. So that was one of the conditions that the hereditary chiefs had had listed, that some of the Mohawks protesting had listed. Um, but uh, you know, as we're recording this, uh, there's still no movement on that front. All right, let's turn to the reaction of the two perceived frontrunners in the conservative leadership race. First of all, Peter McKay, who said on Twitter, glad to see a couple of Albertans with a pickup truck can do more for our economy in an afternoon than Justin Trudeau could do in four years. Uh, it seemed to express support for counter-protesters, and, and some people saw that as, as kind of an endorsement of vigilantism. Uh, the tweet was later deleted. Do you think this, is, well, this was a mistake on the part of Peter McKay and his team? Well, the criticism that was levied against Peter McKay was that, you know, as a former justice minister, he should know better than to um, embrace and champion basically illegal behavior um, and that this was not a wise move for someone who uh, is basically competing to be prime minister of the country. And it seems like Mr. McKay came to that conclusion himself because, as you mentioned, he did delete his tweet uh, later issuing uh tweets clarifying uh, why he had taken that position um, and kind of tagging uh, some of the reporters, like Andrew Coyne, for example, um, who had who had raised the specter that maybe this wasn't the wisest decision. Um, and then he issued a statement uh, basically saying, uh, well, it's criticizing the prime minister uh, for the lack of leadership and what he called platitudes to resolve the crisis. Um, and Ottawa's lack of a response, in his view. So um, this isn't the first time that Peter McKay has gotten into trouble for things that he has tweeted, and I think that's really where the discussion uh, with party members kind of lies at the moment, whether that's a bad social media plan or staffers who are issuing tweets that Mr. McKay has no knowledge about or doesn't approve, as he had suggested uh, you know, you will recall that tweet about uh, Justin Trudeau and his uh, $876 in yoga sessions. Mr. McKay was not the only conservative leadership candidate to come out uh, with a strong position right. on on this issue. Um, Marilyn Gladue uh, suggested that the military should be called in to enforce the court uh, injunctions. And Aaron O'Toole uh, said that he, if he was prime minister, would criminalize the act of blocking what he called critical infrastructure railways and ports and he said he would give the police the power to clear protesters without um, having to seek a court injunction now i would flag that uh, blocking critical infrastructure like the railway is already illegal it is a it's against the railway act um, and the police obviously have discretion to use um, they have the power to use their discretion I mean, and that's what we're seeing in Ontario, for example, where the OPP is saying that it is, it, it does not feel comfortable, uh, does, 
um, to... Yeah, the, the issue isn't so much that uh, there aren't laws in place, but it's whether or not the police will enforce those laws. And the pattern recently has been to try to seek a peaceful solution rather than go in and remove protesters and take down blockades, right? Well, the OPP says it's basically acting on the Iperwash recommendations that uh, it should allow the protesters and the politicians to come to an agreement um, and that they should not uh, rush to the use of force. I mean, uh, we've seen what happens uh, when tempers flares and people are nervous and people are armed uh, in Iperwash, in Oka. That's clearly what the Liberal government wants to avoid and what the police forces across this country want to avoid. And I think that's why we're also hearing the government talk about a lasting solution. Uh, Everybody recognizes that uh, this cannot be an example going forward and that um, Indigenous issues and Indigenous people have grievances that uh, go beyond this one issue that need to be addressed. All right, let's wrap up by talking about Michelle Rempel-Garner and three other Conservative MPs who have released what they're calling the Buffalo Declaration. It's a 13-page document that calls for immediate action from the federal government or Alberta will seek separation. They're calling this a crisis. What's going on here? Yes, um, the timing of this document is interesting. So, uh Michelle Rempel was promoting it on Thursday, um, what she called the Buffalo Declaration. And as you mentioned, uh, three other conservative MPs signed on to it. And they talk about historical grievances that Alberta uh, feels vis-a-vis the rest of the country, things like the federal government should acknowledge the devastation that the National Energy Program uh, did to the province, but also talks about how Alberta has a separate culture and it should be recognized and uh, calls for changes to um, CPP, equalization, and says that Canada functionally treats Alberta as a colony rather than an equal partner. Now, a lot of things have flared tensions in the province. Of course, uh, the price of oil, oil development, uh, before the Liberal government bought the TMX pipeline pipeline approval, now tech frontier and whether or not the Liberal cabinet is going to approve that. We're expecting a decision on that later this month. Um, and the blockades, the railway blockades, have really not helped. I mean, not just in terms of natural resources, but grain, of course. Uh, you know, the railway is so critical to the economy of this country and just moving goods around. I think that, in part, uh, is a reflection of what Michelle Rempel is hearing from her constituents and other Alberta MPs, but I also really think it's just they feel like they need to vocalize how outraged their constituents are, and there does seem to be a movement among some uh, in the Conservative Party as a whole, and including leaders in the Conservative Party, like um, former MP party whip Jay Hill, saying, you know, that the situation has basically become unbearable and uh, Wexit or Alberta exit or whatever people are want to call it, that may be, in, may, may be needed down the not-so-distant line. All right. Althea, great to have your comments on all these topics. Thank you for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. 
My concern is what happens now, now that these uh, people who are breaking the law and these radical activists uh, see that they can get concessions from this government, uh, what kind of a message does that send and what future protests and what future illegal activity we'll see uh, for future projects. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues there is no magic political wand to wish down the barricades. Martin writes, there's growing support in Canada to use firearm force to end this standoff, even if that would only trigger wider and more violent forms of protest. Sadly and scarily, this standoff is far more serious than all the ineffective posturing and pointless debates to date suggest. If the rail lines remain blocked and resulting layoffs spread, a lot more Canadians will think like Americans on the best way to end it. In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues we're not hearing from the voices that matter. Mason writes, There are people who have glommed on to this dispute because it offers them a chance to protest about their real cause, which is climate change. Most of them know nothing about the lives of those who live along the pipeline route and stand to benefit from this project. The only voices that matter in this dispute are those in the Wet'suwet'en Nation, where there is widespread support for this pipeline and the voices of Indigenous leaders elsewhere along the route. At National News Watch, Glenn Pearson asks if we've had socialism wrong from the beginning. Pearson writes, We are witnessing new generations of citizens who never went through periods of global caution and who see socialism as an alternative instead of a threat. It only makes sense, since the tinkering with our severe problems by the modern political and corporate elites has left our democratic decline largely unanswered and unchallenged. This is now a reality in Canada as much as America. It's a new era of challenge and protest, and it isn't going anywhere. Now let's look at what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Hereditary chiefs from the Wet'suwet'en are visiting with Mohawk and other supporters today who have been at rail blockades in Ontario. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, several of the hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en have travelled to Central Canada to thank and meet with supporters who have been manning rail blockades here in Central Canada. The chiefs are going to be in the Belleville area of Ontario at the Tayanjanaga Mohawk Reserve, after which they plan to visit with Mohawk and other supporters at the Ganawaki Mohawk Reserve near Montreal. Now, it's not clear when and if the Chiefs will be meeting with the media today, but they plan to start the day with a sunrise ceremony and also attend a ceremonial evening dance. Now, the big question is whether any of the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs will agree to meet with either Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett or Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller while they are in central Canada. Both of those ministers have been making themselves available for the past week with the Chiefs uh, to meet with the Chiefs at their convenience. Now, the federal government is hoping for a breakthrough and some negotiations to start uh, in this impasse with the chiefs. After yesterday, the RCMP in British Columbia announced that they would be leaving a temporary detachment in the heart of Wet'suwet'en territory in the hope of encouraging negotiations with a view to finally seeing some of the blockades come down, which have been paralyzing passenger and freight rail traffic in much of central Canada. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will meet with the Incident Response Group to discuss the current blockades support for families of victims of the Ukraine International Airlines tragedy and the coronavirus situation. Chief Public Health Officer Dr. Theresa Tam will provide an update on the coronavirus. Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne will speak about Canada's foreign policy priorities and objectives at the Montreal Council on Foreign Relations. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan will attend the 2020 Allied Winter Sports Camp for ill and injured military members and veterans in Whistler, B.C. 
Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will make an announcement in Vancouver. Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan will make an announcement in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. And Governor General Julie Payette will begin a visit to British Columbia. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, February the 21st. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.